agnostics, long-haired weirdos, short-haired weirdos, vandals, hooligans. The government has the government love. The government has the government love. The government Welcome to the Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, a professor of political science at Northern Kentucky University. I'm joined today by my conservative counterpart, Cleveland area attorney and defender of freedom, Jay Carson. Hey, good morning, Mike. Hey, Jay. So I, I wanted to let everyone know that we're trying something a little bit different with the Midweek Supporters Show in 2023, because this is our first show of, of the new year. And that's uh, if you are a supporter, uh, you're just getting this like normal. But if you're not a supporter, you'll notice that this just popped up in your feed. And uh, what we're what we're going to be trying is to give everyone, uh, non-supporters, uh, a little bit of a preview of what the show is. And then if you find that you appreciate what we're doing and would like to get the full midweek episode, you can consider becoming a supporter. Or as always, I said, we never want finances to get in your way of hearing more of us, if that's something that you want. So you can always send me an email at mike at com, and I will get you set up with the full midweek show. And if you want to become a, a supporter on Patreon or any other ways, you can go to patreon.com slash politicsguys or uh, politicsguys.com slash support. And we put all the links in the show notes every week. And we have a bunch of stuff we're going to be talking about on this midweek show, starting with, let's see, we're going to talk about uh, Donald Trump's full taxes that were released just after Ken and I did our last show. And our thoughts about what to expect or what to dread maybe in 2023, uh, that lying liar George Santos and the Republican Party, and my crazy idea to enlarge the House, maybe even some listener questions and comments we will address. Why don't we get started with that with, oh, uh, let's see, what's the first thing I said we we're going to talk about, Jay? Trump's taxes. So, you know, yeah. uh, on the last show, that Ken and I did, which was the last show that we actually released here, uh, we talked about the House Ways and Means Committee, their decision to release Donald Trump's taxes. And uh, at that point, uh, when Ken and I had recorded, only those top-line numbers had come out, and the full documentation became public just a few days after we recorded that episode. Now, Ken argued that it was good that the committee released the full documents, the full tax documents, he argued basically that more transparency in presidential finances was a good thing and that it's reasonable for presidential candidates and sitting presidents to have less privacy given the important public interest being, conser being served by the release of this and, and that sort of thing. I, that's, Ken, Ken, will, Ken might take issue with some of the details there, but I think that's his basic argument. What do you think? I guess before we get into Trump's taxes specifically, what do you think about that argument more in general, Jay? Um, yeah, I'm okay with that. So I mean, I, I think it's not I think it's not unreasonable. And and look, Trump has been the exception um because every other president or presidential candidate has has uh released their tax returns. Um so you know, to say that uh, there ought to be uh, transparency for um uh, you know, people running for the highest office. I, I would agree. I, 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 where I would part ways uh, from Ken would would be sort of the mandatory transparency or just the uh, political um, 
uh, pressure to, to be transparent because the, you know, the idea is if he's not releasing, well, what are you hiding? So, um, but, but no, in, in principle, I, I think that's, that's right. There's, uh, I, I think, uh, if you're running for those sorts of offices, you ought to be willing to, uh, to be transparent about your finances. And is it enough, do you think, to say, well, if the voters care enough about that to make, uh, make release uh, a disqualifying factor, they will, they will do so by not voting for me, essentially, which is basically. Yes, I think it is. I, I think it is. Yeah. See, I guess in that sense. Then and, and, and well, and also, and also I get in, I, I, I think there's, there's a, a constitutional issue lurking below the surface there too, but. Um, you mean the qualifications? Clause, I, I, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I but I, I know, I don't know that we necessarily even have to get there. I still just think it's a, I, um, I, I dislike the uh, uh, even if it wasn't a constitutional issue, I dislike the idea of uh, writing in more legislative qualifications for people to run for office. Yeah, you know, I, I that's see, I I understand Ken's argument, and there's a lot of it that I like and agree with in that argument. But that's that's kind of where I agree with you a little bit more. Is I am uncomfortable with trying to write this stuff into law and making this mandatory, which is, I guess, where I came down on all of this was that I, I feel that it's a good idea that there is a mandatory IRS audit. And it was a good, it was a good thing, it turns out, that there was this push because we found out that there actually wasn't a mandatory IRS audit. And I think that's reasonable that that be uh, a, a policy. I think it's reasonable that the House oversee the IRS and Treasury to make sure that that policy is being carried out. And even that maybe the House Ways and Means and the Senate Finance Committee look at those specific documents to be a check on the executive branches carrying out of this. But where it goes a little bit too far for me is saying, well, we're going to release all of this guy's taxes. I That's, yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of uncomfortable with that, I suppose. And, yeah. I, and for what? For what reason exactly other than we're going to find something in there to embarrass them. So. Yeah, and, and to me, when we, look at the, when we look at what we've seen so far from the release of the detailed records, it, it really didn't, I don't think, tell anyone anything they didn't pretty much know already. Yeah. That, that Trump's folks are, he has a whole bunch of very clever uh, tax attorneys and accountants who go right up to the line. And on a lot of things, like pretty much, I would imagine, just about every billionaire does. And that's that's how the game is played. And so I, I, I just feel like this was a big, you know, the, a big nothing burger, except for yeah, the one. I, I, would, I, would, I would tend to agree, yeah, with, with you on, yeah, on, the, on the merits of, of, what, uh, of what was released. But, but again, I think that there is a sort of a, not really an IRS scandal here, but certainly an area of concern, I would like to see not only mandatory audits for, uh, for presidents and well, for presidents, but I would also like, I would be happy with mandatory audits also for members of Congress and for uh, Supreme Court justices. I hate, yeah. you know, or your, or, or, or your political opponents in general. Well, see, that's the thing is if you make it for everyone, <laughs> then all of a sudden it doesn't become as partisan of an exercise because basically it's just, it's understood that whether if you're it's a, part of the office. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I think that would actually be partisan, be partisanize it. I don't know, but, but I think that's a, that's maybe a way to, but of course 
to be able to do that, uh, the IRS would have to increase its uh, resources for uh, auditing, you know, high income taxes because there are a lot of millionaires in, in Congress. And those are well, not- there's only 435 members of Congress and well, we're bringing on an extra 90,000 90, uh, uh, IRS agents. So we should be able to cover it. Well, we're not doing 90,000 extra. Uh, that, that's actually a false claim that's been debunked by uh, everyone except for Fox News and Newsmax, I guess, at this point. But uh, I, you were saying that I, I know partly in jest, uh, I think 87,000 was the number. But, you know, we've had this discussion before as well. And you certainly are not advocating tax fraud. And I, I know I do not advocate tax fraud. And you are a believer in law and order. <laughs> I oppose tax fraud, okay. Mike, as a matter of fact. And you support law and order. I do. Yeah. And when it comes to, for instance, policing, just as in like crimes, actual non-tax crimes, but say property crimes and other sort of crimes, you don't believe that we should just have maybe one cop say we shouldn't be like 20 cops for the city of Cincinnati and just or city of Cleveland and just say, well, let's just count on people to do the right thing. No, no, not at all. So there needs to be reasonable checking and enforcement. There needs to be a police presence. And I I would expect you would believe that that should also hold over for tax fraud because that's, that's a crime as well. And so just like I am against, but just like I am against certain areas being targeted and over-policed, for no reasons other than perhaps some people would argue on the left racism, you would be against certain people being targeted because of their political views. That's right. So that's so it's actually I don't know that we're that far apart on this. It seems like where we where we run into problems is that you are you have a hard time seeing how the IRS can be given the resources it needs to really rigorously enforce our tax laws without that IRS turning into a political tool. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's pretty. And let, let me, let me argue, sort of take, take your examples. Um, you're, you're for not having, uh, 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 you're, you're opposed to fascism, right? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> most days. <laughs> yes, very much so. I'm okay with so, that. So, uh, you know, and, and by that same token, you would, you would, I think, bristle if, if the idea of the Cincinnati uh, City Council said, "Listen, we need, uh, you know, to to vastly uh, increase the size of our police force. We need a cop on every corner, uh, following you around, watching your every move." Um, you'd obviously bristle at that. So I, I think that's that's kind of my my response, um, and also the the idea that the IRS. Um, would in, in, which is a little different in terms of um uh you know than, than police criminal uh investigations um there's a lot of of really uh fuzzy stuff in the the IRS code right oh, and yeah. there are things that you can say are listen I'm I'm taking an aggressive uh position here on on uh depreciation or or whatever um there are are gray areas uh, uh, in in that uh, in the tax code. Um, there are less there are less of those in the criminal law. Uh, Good point. And, yeah. and yep. but but having but the the IRS has significant the balance of power is significantly tilted in favor of government uh, in terms of of those types of uh, investigations and prosecutions. Yeah. 
Yeah. In order for somebody to defend themselves against it. Yeah. And you don't, you don't get a, you don't get a public defender. Uh, the IRS shows up uh, wanting to audit you or, or claim you owe money. That, no, those are, those are both really good points. And in fact, I, I think you could maybe make a case for a uh, sort of a reform system or, or, or legislation that would combine uh, greater IRS resources along with both much more oversight as well as tax code simplification. That would be a pretty massive sort of thing. But I think you're right. They're all, that yeah. they, they needs to be considered in sort of a holistic way that I don't think really has been to this point. All right. Well, let's move on and talk a little bit about 2023. The year just started. And I thought we could, you know, take a few moments to or a little bit of time to talk about, you know, what we what we see coming forward, what we're looking forward to, if anything, what we're dreading. And there's certainly more than a few things I think that might fall into that category for me. Maybe even we could make some predictions and then circle back in December and see how we did. Uh, we don't necessarily have the best record, Jay, you and I, as prognosticators. Uh, I think uh, of all of our hosts, Ken tends to have made the most correct predictions. Maybe that's just about how you pick your spots. Uh, I right, tend to, right. you, I, I'll predict, I, I'll predict anything at any time. So, you know, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not one to judge, but uh, you're, you're much more strategic in that. But anyway, let's, let's start with you. What do you see as some of the biggest things that are likely to come up in uh, American politics here that you're either looking forward to or sort of dreading in some way? Um, I, I think we will enter a mild recession, um, within the next, uh, within the next quarter. Um, I, I think it's, and, and I sort of, I say on the one hand, I, I, I dread it because that's, I don't like economic downturns on the other hand. Um, I think this is sort of the natural, um, result of what we've been through the past couple of years, uh, the inflation, the money tightening, um, and this is this is going to be sort of a, a, a writing of the ship a little bit, if you will. Um, so with that with that uh, recession, I'm hopeful that uh, inflation will uh, trend downward and we'll get back to sort of a more normal um, normal economy um, after you know what happened in 2020. Sure, and in, so on that's, that, that's in, one in, prediction. Inflation is already, of course, trending downward and has been for a while. I agree with you. I think that's a fairly, uh, that that's a good J prediction because I think you have a that's good That's an easy one. That's it. a layup. Well, not, not quite a layup. I think the last numbers I saw from was it the conference board or some other uh, group somewhere like around 70% chance of, of a mild recession. But yeah, I think that's a, I, I, I'm with you on that. I, I would expect that to happen as well. So um, uh, we're, we're in agreement on, on likelihood of a recession this year. What else you got? Oh, let's see. Gosh, I, uh, I, I think uh, by the end of the year, uh, the war in Ukraine will have reached a resolution. Wow. Some sort okay. of negotiated. Um, uh, unfortunately, I think, you know, Putin may end up holding some sort of uh, pieces, maybe, you know, retaining Crimea, that sort of thing. Um, but I, I think it's just going to become. Um, uh, impossible for the russians to continue to to finance this and it's a, a stalemate right uh um but um uh so i think i think that okay that happens sometime before the end of the year well that is a bolder prediction i shouldn't, I I shouldn't like say it. Elizabeth, i shouldn't say that a, a piece is negotiated but i think we get to a point where we have a 
ceasefire negotiations, right? Okay. Wow, that that's a bolder prediction. I, I'm not so sure about that. And I think a lot to me is going to depend on how willing the uh, Republican House is to approve more aid to Ukraine. I mean, we've certainly seen indications that uh, Germany and some other countries in, in the West, are, in the U.S. included, are more and more willing to give Ukraine uh, advanced cutting-edge weaponry, and that is certainly making a difference. But also, as I pointed out in the last show, you know, when uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky made his speech to a joint session of Congress, more than, I think, half of the uh, House Republicans didn't even bother to show up for it. And I could certainly see an instance where uh, Republicans in the House, there are enough of them who are opposed to more Ukraine aid, say, you know what, we're not going to prove anything more. And given the fact that the U.S. has been the, by far, the biggest supporter of Ukraine, I can see Putin saying, you know what, we just need to kind of hang in there for a little while longer. The spigot's going to dry up from the U.S. because there are enough House Republicans who won't support it. And uh, I think I can hang in there and win a win a war of attrition. What do you think? about? I, I hope that, I certainly hope that's not the case. Oh, me too. Um, and I, I would hope that the Republican Party, uh, I mean, again, back in back in the day, Mike, that was one of the big yeah. uh, selling points of the Republican Party is uh, we're the guys who are going to really stick it to the Russians. Um. So I'm I'm still in that camp, and uh, I'm I'm hopeful that uh, uh, the rest of the party is too. Well, I I I definitely want to be wrong on that one, but I I am highly sky. I will I will make a prediction that uh, and this is a little bit. I'm not in, I'm kind of on the fence about this, but I will predict that that the House will not be able to. Well, they will not approve a major Ukraine aid package. That's going to be. But then again, I suppose, Jay, that there are all the Democrats are, well, most of the Democrats are going to be for that. And so you don't need that many. Yeah, you're just going to have to peel off a couple. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm concerned about that, I guess I'll say. Uh, so we already talked about the debt ceiling in the uh, in the regular show. What about the budget? Do you think uh, you think we'll get a budget in on time? Um, probably not. I think we'll yeah, probably end up with another CR. That's a that's a safe. I think that's a safe assumption. Yeah, a very that's safe that's assumption. a layup. And uh, presidential announcements. We should usually be seeing because right now the only announced Republican is Donald Trump. Yeah, um, I think DeSantis will will announce at some point. I think uh, Biden will run for reelection. Um, I think you'll also see a smattering of other Republicans out there who are just kind of testing the waters. Um, you expect to see but, the same uh, sort of kind of clown car thing we got in 2016 that allowed? No, I don't think it, it's not going to be. It's not going to be that. I don't think it's going to be 17 candidates. I'm thinking it's going to be you know four or five. Wow. Okay. I, I think there'll be more than that. I, I, again, I, I say I hope you're right, but I don't really know that I hope you're right. I think a a second Trump term would be horrific, uh, and I think a second. Well, first, DeSantis term would be horrific for different reasons, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't have a whole lot of a whole lot of faith in the ability of Joe Biden to, to win the second term, uh, especially against Ron DeSantis. But that's a that's a discussion for 2024, I guess. Uh, should also mention that, you know, 20, uh, 2023, because it's an off year, there aren't that many big elections. But weirdly, people might not know this, there are some states that have their gubernatorial elections. There are like five states or something like that that have. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's Kentucky, 
Louisiana and Mississippi have gubernatorial elections. And then uh, there are four states, Louisiana, Mississippi, New Jersey, and Virginia, have state legislative elections, which is kind of a weird thing. You, you would think that you'd want to do it all at once to save money, and everyone's going out to vote anyway. Now, in some of those instances, they, had, they set up off-year elections because of concerns about uh, the federal government coming in and policing their elections, and we can do our own off-year election the way we want, basically. There are some other reasons as well. but. Off-year elections are weird, aren't they? Yeah. Um, again, I guess I, you know, grew up in a state which always had uh, on-year elections. Although, um, in Ohio, you have a whole lot of uh, local elections, cities, municipalities yeah. that are off-year. Um, kind of for that very kind of almost for the purpose of avoiding waves and so forth. So, well, and I guess I guess the, the upside is even though there's sort of a there's sort of a you know keep turnout down sometimes. In, well, yeah. Uh, it's almost an incumbent protection uh, type racket, right? By having um, absolutely, um, yeah, those and, those elections and off years. And I think, but also you can make an argument, I suppose, about about voter fatigue, right? Because if all the elections were uh, on the same year at, at some point, it, I think that's an argument that some people would make. Though I'm I am unconvinced. I think that uh, it would be much better to have pretty much everything. And even number of years to keep it simple and straightforward for people. But uh, and for the most part, we do that at least for big elections. But there still are some of those holdout states, like the state in which I work, I, in Kentucky. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I kind of like, I kind of like actually having the, the local stuff on off years, um, just because it it avoids maybe sort of a nationalization of of everything. I guess I see you what, what you're saying. Yep, yep, yeah. I don't, I don't sort of like it, you know. And again, where I live, it wouldn't really matter. But in places, you know, say that, you know, should should local city council people be part of a national wave election type? Yeah. But on the other side of things, should should 20 percent of the electorate elect the city council? Well, I I mean, I think you you make that. I've always been one of of, look, nobody's stopping you from voting. I mean, all the arguments to the. Yeah, yeah we've about, had that like, suppression and so uh-huh, forth like sure. that. But I mean, look, by having the 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 election in an off year, um, is that really a barrier for you to vote? No, it isn't. So, you know. Well, yeah, and and you and I sort of have a fundamental disagreement about barriers to voting. I guess I don't know that we. Well, do. I mean, I mean, do you think do you think that's a barrier to to, to voting having elections in off years? I, I would say I, I'm not sure if I'd use the word barrier. I would say that voting uh, imposes more of a cost on some people than on others because of their life circumstances. I don't think you disagree with that. Um, no, but I, I think that the, the the way we've got this set up, most places across the country, that cost is is staggeringly low. Right, and that's where you and I would disagree. I would. You're telling you're telling me I got to mail this thing back once every two years, and now you know now you're saying I got to do once every every year. Come on. And again, this is this is where you and I clearly part company, and this is where I w- I would say that I think you are not as uh, you you certainly are a, a sympathetic, empathetic. You're all those aesthetics uh, person. I am, but yeah. uh, but I think you were just have a, a blind spot here you're not as aware of all of the the crushing pressures uh and, and and on so many americans and the fact that to you i get it that this simple little thing but 
the way I see it is that for a non-trivial number of Americans, this one more thing is just one thing that is just on top of already crushing load and is one thing too many. And for you and me, no, not a big deal. But to a lot of folks, I think, yeah, it is It is a big deal. And so that, I think, drives a lot of our clear differences in how we feel about access to voting and why I'm a lot more comfortable making it much easier than you are, I think. So I'm I, I just saying on, on municipal elections, I, I, I don't, I think the, the reason uh, that fewer people vote, I, I don't think it's a matter of uh, these barriers or it's, it's really difficult for them to, uh, to do it. I think in most cases, it's, they just, they just don't care. Right. I, well, I think they don't care because they're 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 not aware. They have they're very busy. They have a lot of other stuff going on. And, and honestly, it is it's hard enough just to keep track of of national politics, which most people don't do, uh, and, and to try to figure out what exactly is going on with city council or the mayor or something like that. Especially given the fact that local reporting has become a, almost a almost a joke, certainly a shell of what it used to be in the pre-internet era. That's, you know, it, it's very challenging. Okay. So, but, but anyway, I know that kind of reflects a fundamental difference in worldview that we have, and we probably will not be able to come to any agreement on that in the next few minutes. I'm just guessing. So there we go. All right. So moving on from 2023, if you are a, uh, if you are a supporter of the show, we have the next part uh, about uh, George Santos, Lying Liars, enlarging the house listeners question. If you're not, remember, you can get the rest of the show by becoming a supporter or just sending through uh, uh, all of those links I mentioned. Check the show notes or by just sending me an email, mike at politicsguys.com to get you set up with that midweek show. <laughs> 